Hi everybody, I'm Taylor Onion and this is Power the Journey. We are powered by Game Plan with partners such as the NFL, NBA, Pac-12 and over 300 athletic organizations. Game Plan is the only all-in-one platform for total athlete development on and off the field. Game Plan is also the single largest community of student athletes seeking employment opportunities in the world. So whether you're an organization looking to create comprehensive e-learning education or an employer looking for your next star employee, ask yourself, did I game plan it? For more information, visit GamePlan at wearegameplan.com. That's wearegameplan.com. All right, as I mentioned, I am your host. I'm Taylor Onion, and we've been talking to folks from all facets of athletics, former athletes, administrators. We've we've uh, gotten into some content experts as well. But today's guest is the Director of Student Athlete Development at the University of Memphis. She has had stints at Norfolk State, Old Dominion University, and the University of North Dakota. She's earned her bachelor's degree in criminal justice at North Dakota State and a master's in higher education from Old Dominion. She's on the Membership and Recruitment Committee and the Student Athlete Development Programs and Practices Committee within the N4A, and she is the proud, she is a proud dog parent. Katie, welcome. How are you? Great. I'm super happy to be here. That was a great intro. My dogs are Zion and Nash, if everyone needs to know that, but no, I'm happy to be here and happy to have a conversation about student athlete development, so... Awesome. Awesome. Well, that was going to be my first specific question to you was what are the dog's names and what kind of dogs are they? <laughs> I ruined it. Um, yeah. So I have a German shepherd named Zion after Zion Williamson. And then I have a Husky named Nash and they're both two-year-olds. So they're puppies. So they have the puppy mentality of when I get home, uh, it's not sit time. It's, Hey, you need to take me for a walk or Hey, throw around this ball a little bit. So it's great to have an outlet too with some dogs. So I'm really happy that I have them. Sure. And nice to just be met with that energy, you know, at the end of the workday, it's good stuff. Yeah, no, exactly. It makes my life a little bit more interesting. Oh yeah, for sure. I have to ask too, is Nash like Nashville or Steve Nash? No, neither Nash. (laughs) At first we tried to call him Coda. That just didn't go well. And so Nash was the next opportunity. I just think it just fit his personality. He, I don't know if you know Huskies, but they kind of yell all the time. So he is like an alarm clock, 630, wanting to go outside. He howls at all the fire trucks that pass by, but Nash just fits him. So I don't know how it happened. It just happened. That's awesome. Okay. So jumping into our, our more uh, specific questions here to, to student athlete development. So the podcast obviously is titled power the journey. So I would love to, to start off by having you tell us a little bit about your journey to date. So my journey as in like student athlete development or in yeah, college I athletics? Mean, you can, you can kick off from when you graduated, finished your undergrad and take us oh, wow. today. <laughs> yeah. So in undergrad, I shot competition pistol. So I did club at North Dakota state. And so through that experience, it's a little different being a club sport versus what we see in D one. We traveled of course to like the Olympic training center in Colorado Springs. And then we would travel every year to Fort Benning, Georgia for collegiate nationals. Um, So I feel like that was really what sparked my interest for working with athletes. But my first foot in the door for higher education was housing and residence life. So I got my GA at Old Dominion in housing and residence life as an assistant hall director. And so working with first year students, programming in that way, living in a residential curriculum model, 
And then I just, I wanted something more. And so I was able to get out of that GA and work more in my line of interest. So I had conduct as my next GA and then a couple internships and that once you get your foot in the door in athletics, like you want to be there. And so I was privileged enough to work at Norfolk State, which was right across the road from Old Dominion and one of the best experiences in the world. And when I was at Old Dominion, Lamar Pottinger was there. And then Latrice Barker was at Norfolk State. Amazing. They collabed so much just since they were really close in the vicinity of each other in Norfolk. And it was really cool to see their dynamic approach to programming. And Norfolk State, it was a low resource institution. So working with what we had and programming and making memorable transformational experiences for our student athletes. So I, that really got me into the profession and I was really excited. And then after that internship, I focused more on academics and athletics, but in my first full-time role at North Dakota, that was more of a hybrid role where we did academics, but then we also did student athlete development because small institutions, you're going to wear multiple hats. Um, so I had a little, I had the best of both worlds. You were able to do a lot, get a lot of experience and kind of step away from there of like, what do I want to learn more? And really when you work at a small school, you can do whatever you want. If you propose something like, Hey, this is going to make the department better. They're going to say, yeah, go ahead, run with it. Tell us how you're going to operate it, train other people around you in case like we need to know as well, but otherwise go with it. And that was such a privilege that I had at North Dakota of being able to speak to my supervisor and tell them like, Hey, I think this will really help. And they, them saying, yeah, go with it. Um, and then kind of transitioning more is like, I wanted to start working at a larger scale institution. I wanted to see what that was like. That was my dream as a professional. I'm like, Oh yeah, I want to, I want to work at in the a ACC and get to that point sometime in my life. Um, so it's just those stepping stones. And my next stop was university of Memphis and I started here again in academics as an academic counselor and hats off to everyone in the academic realm. It is hard. It is a grind. And I learned so much and especially with my colleagues at this institution and then the position open for student athlete development. And I knew that that was, I love that feeling of when we can connect students um, and have those conversation of what's next and seeing those light bulbs. And there's a lot of hard conversations too in student athlete development of, if you don't get in your grad program, well, what's next? Or if you get hurt, people don't really have that conversation right away. And it's kind of a tricky transition in their brain. Um, but there's a lot of great things that also happen in the passions of our students, especially we see a lot of conversation around mental health and seeing the need of it. Um, we just had the American Academic Symposium here and we had a student athlete group um, talk about a little bit more of they don't want to see another student pass away because of mental health and seeing that impactful conversation that these students are having and wanting to bring them up to administrators is just inspiring. And so I think I found my foot in the door. I'm like, this is what I want to do. It's a lot of work to try to figure it out of how can we properly do all these things that they want us to do. But at the end of the day, I'm super happy to be here. Awesome. Well, so obviously some, some major differences starting out in housing, uh, residence life, moving into conduct before kind of officially coming over to athletics. What would you say are some of the, the major differences between those areas of higher education? 
Yeah, it's that's very interesting. So housing, you live where you work. Um, and that I think has transitioned me well to athletics because you're working kind of around the clock. You have to have that hustle mindset and that like there's always going to be a game. There's always going to be events. So that a little bit helped me. Um, but even in conduct and housing and residence life, there it was a big part of the university. And so, so being like, I want to make sure that I'm working with all my resources and you have to be knowledgeable about your resources to refer students. And again, that ties a little bit into athletics, but a lot of times we're kind of doing our own programming and trying to eventually bring in other sponsors, but there's so much in the athletic world that applies to athletes only instead of the whole student population. Um, so a lot of housing, you're like on campus, you're engaging with your partners in that regards, you live around your partners. Um, even in conduct, you see it's an educational sanction. So when students get in trouble, you want to have that educational conversation of how can we grow? Um, and then how can we create a safe learning environment for our students? And so I'm very fortunate for having that conduct experience as well. Have you seen any, or have you maybe in any of the institutions you've been at, has there been any crossover in terms of, um, you know, conduct sanctions? Obviously student athletes are not exempt from those things, um, but do you feel like those experiences have helped you, you know, maybe in any specific situations you've come across since you have been in athletics? Yeah. So it's interesting because like, so I don't specifically deal with like our conduct cases in athletics. Like that's, my boss, he deals with and has that, he's that liaison between the conduct office. Um, I think there's several times though, when not for a university sanction, but for a team-based like conversation, or um, if there's a behavior that needs to be accountable, like what are the action steps? What are the standard operating procedures in place for a student? If a behavior or misrepresentation of who they, like that behavior is on their team, I'm trying to think of like an example. So like if they're in a fight or like if they're disagreeing with their teammate, um, how can we mediate that conflict? Um, so I guess I do see some of those things back and forth um, in regards to behavior, but I think that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. It's so interesting because you, I mean, just as I mentioned, student athletes aren't exempt to those things, but if I'm you know, uh, if I'm Taylor Onion, just a student on campus and I get in a fight, then that's on me, right? Like I'm the only one that's going to be held accountable for that. But if I'm Taylor Onion, the volleyball student athlete, then all of a sudden my team and my department and, you know, maybe my coach and, and all these other people are, are potentially involved in that. So that's, it's super interesting to think about some of those crossovers that we don't necessarily uh, get to in, in student athlete development specifically. But so you've been at Memphis for what, about a year and a half now? Does that sound? Yeah. August, 2020 was my first year. Okay. Okay. So coming up in a few, in several months I know. On, uh, <laughs> on a few years, which is crazy. I'm sure it feels like a little bit of a blur if it was. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all of it was during COVID too. So yeah. there's that. Yeah. Yeah. I think anything that happened after March of 2020 is just, you know, I don't really, I'm not sure what's happened since then, but, but somehow two years have passed. Um, so you shared a little bit about, about, um, you know, the, the role that you're in now and kind of how you got into it, but as director of student athlete development, what are some of your day-to-day -day oversights? So I think that that's something that's unique. So a little bit about my position, it was a coordinator role before it became a director role. Um, 
And that is one thing that I've noticed, like since transitioning to a mid-major school, um, we're still not, we're not a large school. So we don't have a lot of different staffs. If you look at an Ohio state, right, they have a career specific pillar for people. They have a diversity inclusion specific pillar. They have a mentorship program that falls all under me and my supervisor. And so, and even my supervisor, he's overseeing nutrition, he's overseeing diversity, he's overseeing strength and conditioning. So there's a lot that like goes into my position. And so my everyday does vary. So like right now we're preparing for our end of the year's Poscars award show. Um, so making sure that we implement that program and then making sure that all athletes are invited and are involved in some capacity. So that student leadership aspect, I feel like is one of the strongest, thickest pillars in my role. Um, other than that, it's career driven. So those we do offer resume reviews if students want that. But then also knowing that we have an awesome business center here at the University of Memphis. And so connecting students where there are resources on campus if we can't get to everyone. In my ideal world, it'd be awesome that I could sit down with every single senior, review every single resume, make sure they're ready to go. But also our students are really busy sometimes. So knowing that that's not possible, um, but also making sure that our students are aware of the internships, the resumes, opportunities on campus as well. So that educator piece comes into play a lot with my role. Um, diversity and inclusion, mental health and well-being. So there's just little assets and pockets of things that I'm involved in. Some weeks we have community service that we do with individual teams. Um, I'm very fortunate also our football program has a director of player development and she is awesome at really that community relations aspect and the football team has just has always integrated into the community and that's a really big piece of our identity is our city and the people around our city and really engaging in that aspect. So several things that I want to follow up on. Number one is that I got my start in, well, truly I got my start at Western, but my, my first paid opportunity in athletics was an internship at the university of Memphis. And we're talking 2015, 16. So it's been some time since I've been there. Um, but my first question was for the Poscars. Unfortunately, I wasn't yeah. able to attend because I was on an inter or on a, yeah, on an interview for a full-time job the, the day that they had it. Um, but it, will it be in person this year or are you doing some kind of, it is. Okay. So yeah, that's also another thing is like being in this role, we're having to look through archives of what has been done in the past and how do we want to make it different? Because that was 2019 and it's, Hey, 2022 right now, like right. things can't be implemented the same way that it was before. So it's a lot of like looking at what we did. Okay. Well, what can we do differently? And having that conversation with our peers. Sure. That's awesome. Well, exciting that it gets to be back in person for sure. I know it's exciting. I keep having, I don't know if anyone else has this, but work dream nightmares. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I've been dreaming about this event and then I wake up and I'm like, oh man, the event hasn't even happened. And I've already had like three dreams about it, but <laughs> yep. Yep. Gosh, I, 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 uh, remember those days. <laughs> um, okay. Second follow-up question, uh, in talking about, um, football and the community. So Lauren is someone that I worked with who you were, who you were mentioning now yes. as part of the football staff. So obviously, uh, football is not the only team there's the, I'm assuming everybody does some kind of community service. So what are maybe the most typical, you know, community events? Is there anything kind of a, a standing event that you, that y'all have going on maybe as a department? 
Yeah. So that's a great question. So again, I'm new in this position and community service was kind of on a hiatus during COVID. But uh, first thing, like one of the things that I did is I went to the center of service learning to talk to them about a way of managing hours. And so we operate through a thing called Volunteer Odyssey, very similar to Helper Helper, but it's opened up to the entire community. So different nonprofits can put in um, different like service opportunities. So that's one thing is communicating that platform for people to utilize. Um, there's like different things that you can go to a homeless shelter, like the animal services. Uh, you can do court watch like through the sit Just City uh, organization. So those are some cool opportunities some specific athlete opportunities um, is really engaging with the schools, uh, especially the elementary schools. And so um, the great thing about Lauren is when she creates these awesome opportunities, she also communicates them and then we can also implement it for some of our students. So CIL, we do a CIL elementary PE takeover where they allow us to come into their classroom with certain teams, um, well, with all teams that are interested and they can facilitate a PE activity during the day, um, whether, but it's like small kids. So it's like little things like a rock, paper, scissors tournament, but something to keep them active. Um, other things that we did, we just finished doing Be The Match. And so it's a bone marrow registry. Um, it's a national organization. They come to your campus and they educate our athletes of how do we recruit people to join this registry. And then it's, you just do a swab and you kind of facilitate it like that. We look for volunteers to work the table, um, but it then those that swab are joined to the registry and are educated a little bit more about the blood cancers and leukemia aspect. And that was a really great hit this past year. Um, so just different things like that we're seeing, but we also have a community service chair in our SAC and they can um, also look up opportunities that they want to collaborate as a whole department or a team and they communicate that to us as well. Nice. That makes it easy definitely to have the the investment at the student athlete level kind of first and yes. foremost for sure. That's Absolutely. Awesome. That's awesome. Okay. Last follow-up from, from the things you were just mentioning from a programming standpoint, do you have kind of a set, you know, is it freshman, sophomore, junior, senior? Do you have maybe just a series of whether it's a resume career focus, you know, programming. Um, and then is there any staff involved? So is it just student athlete specific as far as, as pro leader, uh, leadership DEI programming, or do you also have staff stuff? That was a multi-pronged question. I see, I see what you're saying. Okay. So first with the student stuff, so we have what we call pillars. And so we're trying to determine what is the best way to implement these pillars? What's the best way to track growth in these pillars? And so when we're having these conversations, we're thinking about doing an initial assessment for our students that come in and assessing them every year of, hey, what did you learn in this pillar? What are some examples? Because kids can go to the university and learn different things about DEI that we didn't provide as an athletics department. And so making sure that we're tracking their growth in these different pillars in whatever way that they're engaging in to the university, to the community, et cetera. And so that's something that we're still having conversations on, like, what do we want this to look like? I feel like a lot of times people can get in a rut of like, all right, I plan the one year calendar already in May. Like we got programming set for the next year, but that's programming to program. We want to assess our needs and understand, well, what are our students needing? What are they wanting? And then assess, do programming, implement programming that way. Um, following up on the staff thing. So 
with our UMAID group, we just launched our UMAID group in 2020. Um, and so that is a mixture of a student and staff. And so we come together, we have meetings and we talk about what are things that we want to see in our department from hiring best practices to educational thing, uh, roundtables uh, for students. And then for staff, we also have lunch and learn series where we bring in a topic and we have one of our staff present and we just engage in conversation and those have gone really well. Um, it was really cool to kind of just bring everyone in from the department and we even have seating, like not seating charts, but we're like, hey, pick a number. Oh, you can't sit with your whole office. And so that kind of pushes people to intermingle and have conversations with people that they've never had before. Um, so it's been such a great opportunity. And this summer, we're looking at a kind of a passport training series for our staff to include safe zone training, a suicide prevention, and just effective communication. So different topics like that, and to give out prizes if they get a series of three programs complete. So offering them multiple times throughout the summer um, and engaging in that regards. Nice. So super kind of, I mean, really well-rounded, it sounds like, and, and focused first and foremost on investment and what are people interested in and what do they want? That's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Okay. Um, from a student athlete perspective, and I know you mentioned you talk to them first, figure out what their needs are, those kind of things. Yeah. What are some of the main pieces of feedback that you've gotten from your student athletes in terms of what they feel like they need from an education perspective? So, and so the D1 SAC, they, and I'm just going to pull from them too. They met and they discussed, I believe it was like five priorities or eight priorities um, of what they want institutions to focus on. And actually we echoed a lot of those sentiments here. So number one, first and foremost, mental health. And how do we have that conversation with our peers? Or if we notice that someone's in need, how, what's the next steps? Um, so a lot of our students are seeking those opportunities. Um, and kind of, I mentioned that before for the academic symposium, like students want this information because they want to prevent things like suicide. Like that is just at the end of the day, like our lives matter more than our sports. And we need to make sure that we honor our students um, in any regards and help them. Um, so that is first and foremost. And other things that they talked about were diversity. That's a big thing of how can we work with our different and how do we celebrate our cultures? How do we respect our cultures um, and just celebrate our uniquenesses? And I think that is one thing of every year, just making sure that we can start those cross conversations between sports. So we're not as siloed and COVID and we're really just coming off of COVID for every single thing. And I know I've said that a lot, but it's just like, we have this fresh start. We have these students that they were siloed and now they want more. And so having those conversations of how do we have those social times and those learning of different cultures in associated with that. Now, as you come out of the COVID era and hopefully we're moving to a space where we don't have to go resort back to any of those things. Yeah. But what is your, are you going to go, I mean, full blast everything in person? Will you continue using some forms of virtual education? What does that look like at Memphis? Yeah. So for net, like we've been, completely in person this entire semester, except for our first meeting, because I think we still had that haze of COVID um, for SAC, but we've been entirely in person and I we're going to try to keep it that way. Um, there are some opportunities though, that you have 
those engagement pieces that can serve in a virtual space. Um, for our student athletes, we have a critical thinking in the professions. And so we use a lot of a hybrid approach for that. So we're meeting in person, but then we also have that virtual learning series uh, for that other class period. And so utilizing opportunities to engage in the virtual realm, because I think one, virtual learning environments are interesting and our students have done them and now they really like them. So when I did my hybrid class, a lot of the said, this is my first in-person class. I was like, oh, cool. Are you excited? And they're like, no, I, <laughs> they like learning online. They like that virtual aspect. There's some, to be honest, they do like in person. They like that social interaction. And I think we can have a little bit of both worlds in that programming of what can be remote and what can be in person. So, and utilizing tools that we hadn't thought of before. So with our student athlete handbook, making a game plan module out of it. Like that is something that we can track and that's something that we can have learning outcomes associated with it. Like the knowledge checks and all of those aspects that are, we can understand if our student, okay, you read through it because you did these knowledge checks and you got them right. Um, and just having that engaging content rather than, hey, here's the manual, sign it and agree your life away. Cause there's some important pieces in there that they might not know that they wanna know. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Back to the conduct thing. Right. Get to, right? <laughs> yeah. get to know the rules up front. Get to know the rules up front. So you, you just mentioned that y'all are using um, game plan for student athlete handbooks. What are some other ways that you're using it on campus, especially as you kind of uh, do that balancing act of virtual versus in person? Yeah. And so we think in the fall, we used it a lot for our civic engagement. They have a lot of great aspects for civic engagement. Um, and then there's just different series and there's different curriculum approaches in there. Um, it's really cool to see um, those resources that were given to us by game plan. Um, there's like the, the career, there's a lot of great career things in there. So when I used it for my class, like we can assign different things on resumes. So when I meet with a student, if they have more questions, I can assign them, Hey, like go through this module. They'll, it'll be able to help guide and direct you with a little bit more deeper in depth, conversation about it because there's resources out there they can go on our career center and get um what is it called a draft uh template of a resume and then enter it in from there but they do they know how to make bullet points and I think that's going to be something when they leave we're going to do them a disservice if all we're doing is like hey we got this template let's just plug it all in and you're good to go especially if they don't know well what else should I be looking at for that um, so I've noticed that game plan is a very great piece to interact with that financial management for NIL. Those were some big things, too, because that was a piece of education that we can assign for our students to have um, money management aspect is really key in there. And the more that they hear about it, the more they'll start taking it in. Um, I was listening to somebody and they said, in a class, students are only going to retain 25% of what is said. So if you have a lecture, so if you're thinking that throughout all of these things and you have one great module or you have one great lesson in person, they're only going to retain 25% of that. So the more opportunities we can get this information in front of them, the better it's going to suit them at the end of the day. And maybe they'll be able to take more than 25% of that topic away from them at the end of their time here. That's the hope, right? <laughs> 
yeah. maybe maybe we're inching closer to like 75 toward toward graduation but hopefully yeah I know that's <laughs> the tracking the curriculum the assessment right yep, yep exactly that's that's something so what you just mentioned specifically with the resumes that's something that we're seeing a lot more of is game plan modules being used as kind of pre-work for maybe other whether it's in person a full event whether it's a one-on-one -on -one consulting you know kind of meeting um, but the student athletes I think sometimes we overestimate their knowledge of the real world, of the business place, you know, the workplace. And so they don't know what they don't know. So we're kind of coming into these environments, you know, as student athlete development professionals are saying, okay, what questions do you have for me? And yeah. a student athlete's like, I don't know. You're, you're the expert, right? Like, yeah. what do you, what do you mean? So it, totally. it is, it's been really fun to see kind of an uptick in, in some of those modules that we have on the career side, academics, personal development, even from a financial standpoint to, to kind of see those being used as, as pre-work. So that's awesome to hear. Yes. Um, okay. I have one question for you and then I'm going to kind of, kind of shift into the, the final two things that I want to ask. So the okay. one question is, what do you think is the single most important piece of student athlete development? And that can be, you know, something that's relevant to right now. It can be an overarching, it's a big, it's a big question. So answer it however yeah. you see fit. The single most important thing in student athlete development, man, that is super hard. Hmm. I guess so I, it's hard because I know which one pieces of our curriculum of like what I really enjoy and what I've seen students enjoy and that is like one of the things that I enjoy is like that community engagement and that identity and that connection um, and I think that goes a little bit to my background of like higher education and that sense of belonging we want to connect our students to community we want them to feel that sense of belonging with professionals or individuals within that community and that integration so that we can retain them. Um, and when somebody finds that sense of belonging, they're more likely to stay at that institution. And so I think that's a really big piece of it. Um, and that's what I would say, but I don't know if that's the single most important thing. Um, another thing that I'm looking at, I would say that life after sports. So I would say if I was, if I had to put my money on it, we don't bet around here. Right. But I would say <laughs> career and future, because it's really at the end of the day, we need to better prepare our students for life after sports. And I feel like there's been time again, that COVID haze of these kids are having like five years of eligibility, six years of eligibility, and then they've done school their entire life. And then they don't know what they want to do after the fact. And so having more conversations on our students and like preparing them and whether or not it's just continuing, like ask them of like, what do you want to do? Well, if you don't know what do you want to do, what, what do you like? And so just figuring out how can we have those conversations? I mentioned this class again of this critical thinking in the professions and I have seniors and a lot of them say, oh yeah, I want to play professionally. And they don't have another option on deck and it's coaching them through that this entire semester of like okay well what have you done what do you like what are your passions um what is your brand and thinking of more of like how can you apply that for the future so once you are done um because god forbid an injury happens and that just takes your whole plan of the future right out from under you yep absolutely that can definitely derail things it, it'll it'll get you ready for I guess the real world maybe quicker than than what you had intended for sure yeah agreed 
for sure. All right. So last couple of questions here. Number one is what's the next big thing if you, if you can share uh, as far as, as programming, maybe something you're planning for the summer, for uh, the fall, what's going on at Memphis? So we're really revamping our life skills portion of our summer bridge. So summer bridge is housed in our academics. And so student athlete development is privileged enough to have life skills sessions with these students. And so this summer we're really looking at revamping and introducing different concepts and preparing the curriculum and working with our corporate sponsors of, Hey, who wants to sponsor this uh, session on whether it's our, our resource cafe, if it's financial well-being, to make sure that we, if it's sponsoring food or anything else, like those little aspects of it. Um, and then also interacting with those businesses and giving an opportunity to network with some professionals in the community. And so I think that huge piece is like, thinking of, okay, well, how can we set this up that our students want to be engaged and are enjoying networking with our partners and understands the importance of it. Um, I really think this is going to get the good, the right foot in the door for a lot of our students and to really set the bar high for the rest of their collegiate experience. And we're starting off this summer with assessing. Um, We're working with a doctorate student on campus and figuring out, well, what's the best assessment that we want to ask these kids when they come in, our students when they come in, so that we can track it at the end of the summer, and not the only end of the summer, how can we project the next programming series for them during the school year so we can see their growth and really try to get that that underhand and that information controlled. Because I think that's one thing is that we're coming off of why are we programming and what are the skills that we want our students to have? And doing post-program surveys are great, but we got to know beforehand, well, what, it, what is your level of knowledge going into this? And so that's one thing that we really want to work on this summer. Awesome. Awesome. That's super exciting. And obviously a great way to, to build your programming around those, those uh, bits of feedback. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. Last one. If you could turn back the dial, so power the journey, let me back up for a second. If you could turn back the dial and talk to your 18 year old self, what might you say? Oh, Lord. So I think what I would say, so you, you know, so I grew up in South Dakota. I was like a horse girl. Like I lived on a ranch and like, I really was moving to a city that was nine hours away from my hometown. And then from there, I moved 30 hours away from where I grew up. But I, what I would say is that everyone's going to have an opinion about like the things that you do. And so just remaining positive and incorporating the pieces of feedback where you can and not taking it to heart. Like we all work hard. We all work many long hours, um, but nothing's going to be perfect to every single person. And being okay with that um, is really crucial. Love it. I love it. I also love that you just described yourself as a horse girl. I know. Well, Stardust. Um, right. Stardust was my horse. That's awesome. How, how many people I have to just on a personal note, how many people were in your hometown? Oh my gosh. I want to say 3000 and I graduated with 56 kids. Okay. So yeah. I mean, did, did you grow up in a small town? I did. So you got me beat on town size. We had 500 okay. people on industry, Illinois, wow. where I grew up. But we consolidated. So my graduating, we consolidated my freshman year of high school. So my graduating class went from would be 23 to I want to say 96 is what I ended up graduating. Oh, wow. with. So 
Yep. Love, love the small town. Where are you from again? Illinois? Illinois. Yeah. West central Illinois. It's a, it's a small town called industry. Yep. Yes. The Midwest, right? Would you consider yourself Midwest? I would, I would, even though, I mean, I've been a a Floridian, it's almost been five years. So I think I can call myself a Floridian now, but I'm a, I'm a transplant for sure. (laughs) Prefer Florida weather or Illinois? You know, I'm in year round. I'll say Florida weather, but I do miss the seasons. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely miss the, my, my family, I'm come from a family of farmers. And so I miss, you know, springtime is planting and fall is harvest and you don't get the allergies. Yeah. Right. (laughs) That's all I think about. (laughs) Yep. You don't get the, uh, the leaves to change the, the fall aesthetic and the spring aesthetic is much different in Florida than it is in the Midwest. Yeah. Yep. Well, thanks for having me on today. I really appreciate. Yeah. I was just going to say the same to you. It was awesome to to hear about all the great things that you've already done in the last year and a half and the things you've got planned for the future at Memphis. I'm, I'm excited to, to see what comes of all that. Yeah. Thank you, Taylor. I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. If you enjoyed our conversation today, please let us know. You can like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can check back in next week as we interview another industry leader. And don't forget, your journey has power.